like Erina said, my work is mainly in children's spirituality. Um, I am an early childhood educator um, and also a children's minister. And when those two things overlap, it means that I focus a lot on children's spirituality as part of their growth and development. So um, that's what I talk a lot about and write a lot about. Um, but I do love keeping the liturgical year with my family and um, I do love Advent and um, it's a special time of year to consider and draw close to each other and consider this story um, fresh every year. So I really appreciate that opportunity. But I want to acknowledge that um, Advent is weird this year. Um, it's strange to be celebrating Advent mostly in our homes with um, the people that we're sheltering with. Um, usually Advent kind of has two minds about it. You have this one kind of churchy feeling about Advent. It's purple, it's serious, it's quiet. And then you kind of also still have the other mind of, and it's almost Christmas. So there's red and green and cookies and lights. And this year, even that other side that you kind of hold alongside your serious Advent practice is kind of serious because we're facing this pandemic together and even cookies and lights and fun things related to Christmas have a somber feeling. So I just wanna acknowledge this strange Advent that we're in together um, and know that I'm in that too, even though I'm part of another faith community, we're experiencing the same feelings that you are gathering virtually and trying to do our best to notice and honor this time. So in my work as a children's minister, it was kind of important whenever I told a story to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And if I kind of veered from that, it felt like I was going into kind of an area that people would get lost, they'd lose me. If you had an idea that wasn't a nugget or a truth, people would kind of write it off. Maybe that was just a feeling I had, but that's how I worked. And I always tried to find a beginning, middle and end to share at a worship experience. And today, there's no beginning, middle, end really at all. Um, inviting all of us together to look at hay is pretty open-ended. There's not a really firm way that I can assign value to the role of hay in this story. I can only invite all of us to look at it and consider it in a new way. Um, so we're gonna try to be really open-ended here. And I ask for your grace as I kind of muddle through some thoughts about something that feels very mundane, but also I think holds something very holy for us in this story. So when I'm telling a story, the other thing I do is I usually put down an underlay, something just down underneath the pieces of the story that kind of holds it for me. If it's an Advent story, I put down something purple to show that we are in a season of Advent. If I'm telling the story of the Good Shepherd, I put down something green to show the grass that's in the meadows that the sheep use. If I'm telling the story of a baptism, I put down three big circles to show the Trinity. So the underlay is kind of a thing for me. It holds a base layer of meaning for the story. And in this nativity story, I could put down the purple layer, yeah, but I'm also gonna put down the layer of hay and suggest that it's the underlay of this whole story. Um, if you have an advent kit, you might have some hay. You can hear me wrestling through it. You might have some hay 
around handy and you can kind of look at it more closely. If you don't have one of these, I'm just gonna say that you could probably come close to hay at some point. And if you're looking for it, you'll notice it. And if you also want an advent kit, I think there's extras, is that right, Michael? Yeah, so if you want one, need an advent kit, it's full of hay, you can reach out to Michael or Erna and they will hook you up. So hay is this material that's a bedding for animals way back then at the time of the nativity and even now it's food for animals. It's soft when you touch it like this as like a bundle, but if you kind of come in from this side, it's kind of sharp. Hay is dried grass. And even as I'm handling this small bit of it, it's everywhere around me. It just kind of goes everywhere. And I used some yesterday when I told the story to the children and it's everywhere downstairs. So the thing about hay also in the story is we can imagine it doesn't just stay in the manger. It's everywhere in this story. And then underneath this hay is dirt and dust. It's everywhere. It's everywhere now and it was everywhere then. It's the underlay of the nativity story. So as we're looking at this story with this underlay underneath it, we can kind of gloss over it. Um, we really could. It's kind of like, don't pay attention. It doesn't mean anything. I think it means something that Jesus was laid in hay when he was first born. And I don't think that's a weird thing or a bad thing. I think it's a fine thing because we can think about hay today as something that God made and God loves. And I don't wanna count out hay and dirt and dust because it doesn't seem like God counted it out. It seems like a part of the story, an important part. Um, I also wanna say a little something about hay being not living. So substances like dirt and hay and dust aren't living the way we assign life based on characteristics shared by animals and plants but God created everything and cares about what God made. Even a sparrow, even the lilies of the field. And I do believe that everything knows who God is and knows Jesus, even the rocks. And it's kind of amazing to think about the way that rocks and dirt and sand and water transform over time, make weather. When I learned that dust is actually responsible for our water cycle, I was wonderstruck. So the grains of dust, the little particles of dust in the clouds are the actual particles that water can attach to as droplets. And without dust, we wouldn't have rain. So when I think about it that way, if I think about being an earthling as being connected to every rock, plant, person, it's hard for me to say, not living, count it out. So I'm just gonna stay in this kind of hazy area. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not the same, but there's something there that feels connective to me. 
And I think it's because I do know that when I think about it that way, I feel connected. So an example of this is I learned this thing to say, and it sounds kind of funny. I learned this thing to say to help me repair my relationship with the land. And that is that when I'm walking to sometimes think, let every step of my foot be a greeting to the land. And I have to really go to the limits of my understanding if I do that and expect connection. But I feel connected when I do it. And do you know why I think? I think it's because Jesus is this warmth and connection between all things. And so when I think about how um, Jesus is laid in the, on the earth, um, on that hay, and how he's connected to it, it makes me feel close to a part of God because I know that a part of God is connected to that thing. So when Michael first um, presented the idea for this week to me, to us, um, he called it Hey and Unnamed Hosts. And we had this funny miscommunication where I started writing about hay and I was like, oh yeah, hay, dust, oh yeah, dirt. And I thought the unnamed hosts were just like all the particles that we couldn't name. They were unnamed hosts. And then as I was invited to share in person, I thought I better get clarification. So I asked Michael or I asked Erina and she kind of over, she said it to Michael. She was like, so the unnamed hosts. And he said, oh, it's just actually the actual people who hosted Mary and Joseph in their home. And I laughed because I thought this funny thing had happened, a very unlikely thing where I had imagined dust and hay and dirt as characters in the story. I had just gone there and it was fun and I was enjoying myself. But then when I imagined the actual people who hosted Mary and Joseph, I imagined that they were the people who used their tools to rake and sweep and dig and prepare for Mary and Joseph to be in that space. And I felt an intimacy with them because I had acknowledged the role of the hay and the dirt and the dust. Um, and so this brings me to another little thing that we can talk about, which is a few years ago, I learned that the stable that Jesus was born in most likely wasn't a barn. I grew up with that notion. That was the picture I had in my head. Lots of nativity sets, you know, you have like the roof that looks like this and the people inside. And the animals are just kind of there too, you know, it's their house. But I realized um, when I read this article a few years ago, and now I've, I've heard more and more research done about this, that actually the space that Jesus was born in was most likely part of someone's home, that there would be guest spaces and those guest spaces were full because it was so crowded in the village. Um, but that the living area on the ground floor of the home, perhaps, um, where the animals would have been brought in at night, um, was the place that Mary and Joseph stayed. And that the mangers in the ground would have been like shallow depressions, or maybe made of stone, but maybe shallow depressions in the dirt. So I'm going to share a little picture with you so you could see a picture of this um, image. But you'll have to give me just one second because... I don't do this every day, so I need a second to get my bearings here. Is that okay? Everybody's good with it? I'm doing it, I'm finding it. Okay, and now I'm gonna share my screen. Um, yes. 
Okay, here we go. We're getting there. You're still with me, even though I can't hear you or see you. Dun, da, da, da. Okay. So here we have a picture. Now I can't see you, but let's see if I can. Yeah, you're good. Can you see that picture? Mm -hmm. Great. So you can here see a picture of, you know, maybe that guest room over here and that family living space here and these mangers here and that the animals would be perhaps over here. Um, it's fun to imagine this new, this new picture to me um, because it makes it seem like we can really be sure that Jesus wasn't um, lonely and sad in a, in a place just for animals, but that, that there were people there who cared for animals and cared for Jesus. So it's kind of more loving picture of all these creatures and, and people around Jesus caring for him as he's born and that he was laid on that um, manger in the hay um, is something that I really like to think about. So I'm gonna come back. Sorry, everybody, now I've lost you all. Um, can someone help me by telling me what they see? Well, we see you. You do see me? Okay. So I stopped sharing, yes? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Whoever said that, I appreciate you. All of a sudden, everything closed in on me and I was like, oh shoot, but no, we're okay. <laughs> Okay, so that's the picture. That's the new idea that some people are just learning this year. Some people may have learned that long ago, and I'm just late to the party. But when I learned that, that really helped me um, understand more about what that time was like and that connection to the hay and the dirt. And I just want to share a poem that I wrote, if that's okay, that I wrote after learning this. And I think we could keep talking about the hay, the dirt, the dust. But honestly, you can see like, it's just all musing. It's just all wondering. And so I would love to encourage you to wonder a little bit about that too. Um, and so when we look at a poem, it's sometimes easier for us to stay in the wonder instead of finishing something up and tying it up and saying we're done. Um, so I would love to share that poem with you. And then I think we're gonna go to some breakout rooms. Is that right, Michael? Is that good? Great, okay. I am gonna share my screen again, so I'm sorry if I muddle through that. But I think when you're hearing a poem, it's weird to not be able to read it too, because sometimes it's hard to do that. Oh, and I might've lost everything because, okay, I'm gonna stop sharing again. Oh, can someone help me? <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to find this poem. It might take me a second. Michael, do you think that you could take one second while I find this because I lost it and help me by saying hello or? Actually, I'll just share. I'm, I'm currently in the bathroom because Jarena is playing in the bathtub. But um, I would just share that after Jill reads her poem, we are going to go to breakout rooms and just have a little time to chat and discuss 
and continue our wondering and reflecting together. And um, so it's gonna do that automatically, but I'll just say, if you don't feel comfortable going into a breakout room, you can just not accept the request if for any reason you feel like you don't wanna be forced into that. So just wanna give you permission to not go into the breakout room, but we'd love to encourage you to, to do it if we can, just to have some chance to connect with one another. So thank you. I'm almost there. When I got a little panicky, I X'd out everything. You guys know how that goes, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Even though I can't hear you <clears throat> when you're all looking at me, I know that you're being kind to me and I feel it and I just wanna say thank you. I feel flustered today. I'm not usually, guys. <laughs> okay, here we go. Don't be flustered with us. You're okay. Thank you. Okay. So this is that poem that I wrote. And <clears throat> we'll just, I'll read it and then we'll move right along. Emmanuel, chickens know when to come in for the night, but a cow and a donkey need to be led and the sheep, well, good luck. The animals of the nativity, maybe not each one, but some must have been named. Maybe a cow has a mark on, his on her head that he always rubs. Maybe donkey is tricky. They know the voice of the person who calls them in, feeds them. Everyone has their nightly routines. Lock the door, turn off the lights, check on the kids, or sweep the floor, fill the mangers, bring in the animals. There are visitors in the living room tonight. The animals find their usual places, standing and shifting, tucking legs, turning round three times and flopping down. The lamps stay lit and everything that is usually gray in the fading light glows gold. The hay shines, a floor of gold, a bed of gold. The dust is gold and it floats in halos around them all. <clears throat> 